0: Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our Missions Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans chapter 1, verse 5, Paul refers to saving faith in Jesus Christ as, quote, the obedience of the faith, end quote. Here it would seem that Paul is stating that the act of trusting in Christ alone for your salvation is an act of obedience. But for faith to be obedience, there must be evidence that compels that faith. We've argued that this is the case, that the Spirit's convicting work in the world and as witness to the human soul of the truth of Jesus Christ is enough to compel faith and to declare the unbeliever as according to 1 Thessalonians 1.8, disobedient to the gospel. There you have the story of the Lord Jesus feeding the five thousands, taking five loaves and two fish and multiplying it and feeding 5,000 individuals. When they see it happen, they say, this has to be the prophet, this has to be the Messiah who's coming. And then they try to take the Lord Jesus by force to make him their king. What kind of king do you want? Someone who can multiply bread out of nowhere. What kind of leader of an army that would lead you in conquest over the world powers of Rome do you need more than anything else? Somebody who can keep the bread lines going to feed your forces and your armies as you go out to war and battle. Let's make this man our king. Lord Jesus sees that it's going to take place. It says that he removed himself from the presence. He went up in the mountains. At the same time, he must have given instruction to his disciples. They went down to the boat they'd come to that place in, and they sail across the sea. A storm comes up so powerful and so strong that all through the night, they're not able to make any headway four miles of trying to move along and not reaching to the other side still and in the middle of the storm the Lord Jesus comes to them walking on the water and uh, they make their way across the Capernaum. Now these individuals see that the Lord Jesus is not there the next morning. They see the boat that the disciples had departed and they know Jesus didn't depart in it. they can't find Jesus anywhere and so they gather up and they go over to Capernaum looking for the Lord Jesus and when they find him they ask him how in the world did you get over here? How did you come here? And The Lord Jesus doesn't even answer the question. He simply says, you're you're not coming to me because of the miracles you saw me perform, but because I fed your bellies, you want more food from me. Do they have a compelling reason to believe in him? Have they experienced enough of him to be compelled to faith in him? The Lord Jesus thinks they have. He speaks very plainly of the necessity that they believe in him. Here's what he says in verses 27 and 29. He says don't labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal upon him. And they said to him what shall we do that we may work the works of God. Now I remember reading this as a young boy. I had made a decision that I wasn't going to be the best football player, I wasn't going to be the smartest kid in my class, and so I made this decision, I'm going to be the best Christian. I'm going to find out what the most Christian thing to do is, and I'm going to do it. And so when I read that passage, I, I kind of sat up. I was pretty excited. This is going to give me information on how I'm to live my life and things I'm supposed to do to really prove that I'm a good Christian. And I have to tell you, I was disappointed in the answer the Lord Jesus gave. I think like they were. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. I already believe in Jesus. That's the answer to every Sunday school question, isn't it? You know, I have been taught that. It's not to trust in your works. It's not to trust in yourself and your own labor. It's to believe entirely in him. That's a work. Did they have enough to be commanded to believe in him in this way? Was it unreasonable to ask them if they believe in this way? Christ is before them. The facts of his great command and miracles are before him. His power has been made known before them. The Holy Spirit has been bearing witness to him. And they are called to work of faith. And so are we. A refusal to believe in Jesus Christ in the end is an act of rebellion against the evidence for faith. And the prompting of the Spirit of God towards that faith. That's why it's called the obedience of the faith. And God is doing all that work ahead of us in the lives of people. That should, by the way, give us boldness. An ability to speak clearly to people who have yet to put their trust in Jesus Christ. a sense in which we have the advantage in the psychology and the internal working of what's going on in their lives because we know the Spirit of God is speaking to them, communicating to them. Here's the next thing we'll look at. It's the obedience that comes from faith. From this obedience that is faith or surrendered trust in Christ that then flows an ongoing obedience that is born out of that first act of believing or trusting. If a person says that he believes in Jesus as the Savior, but he's not living in surrendered obedience to his will, at some point in time, if we see this to be the consistent pattern of their life, we can rightly begin to question whether they've truly obeyed in believing in him as Savior. We could say, Well, I don't know if you've come to obedience to the gospel, a complete trust and surrender to this one as the one and the only one who can save you, because when you do that, all of a sudden it opens up to your life all that he teaches. All that he says. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, when the Lord Jesus commissions his apostles to go into all the world, which is a commission that comes to us as a church. He tells them that they're to go out, and there's two steps, you might say, in making a disciple of an individual. The first is to baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say what that name is. It's one name. It's the name Lord or Yahweh. It's the one true God, to the baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think that act of baptism is a memorializing. The word baptize simply means to immerse what happens when you truly trust and submit yourself in faith to Jesus Christ. At that moment, you are immersed into God. Your faith puts you and sinks you into him. You put your life upon him. You trust in him. And so the first act of discipleship is this full board trust You lay your life upon him by faith, personally, propositionally, and believe in him and are saved. But then he says after that, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Once you've immersed your life in him, can you ignore him and his instruction and his direction? Doesn't that believing faith, that obeying faith then lead you to an obeying life? Of course it does. That's the idea here. That's what's being called upon. Then we remember that the Lord Jesus who poured his life into us declares to us through his Holy Spirit that we are to love one another and we're to forgive one another and we're to serve one another and we're to make disciples of others. He commands us and directs us and that's the obedience that flows from faith. So that James says in James chapter 2 verses 17 and 18, thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. For someone will say, you have faith, I have works, show me your faith. Without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Obedience of the faith that goes out from our life. Here's the third point, and it's the objects of our gospel. In other words, who it is that we're sent to with this gospel, those that we're called to go out to and the message of the gospel that Paul is proclaiming, Paul says, is to go out this message of obedience of the faith, this accomplishment that people might obediently believe in Jesus Christ and in obediently believing in him, obediently follow and obey him, this message is to go out among all the nations, he says, or all the Gentiles. Well, Paul will say in Romans 1, 14 and 15, you can just look over in your Bibles, Paul will say, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and the unwise, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul is only being consistent with the impulsive call upon his life to take this gospel of Jesus Christ, which is manifested in the lives of people by their obedient faith, to take it out to the ends of the earth, to take it out to those who have never heard and going to Rome, he's just being consistent with what he's been doing all along. He's driven by this burden to pay forward the good news of God that he himself has received. Just this winter, I had this opportunity to train 15 Indian pastors from 15 different states. Five of them have done the ministry with us in the past and have brought forth great success and have planted multiple house churches in their community and churches as well. And those five each brought two other pastors from two different states to come and join us in our training. And then when we were done, we provided the funds for the persons who had gained the experience before from us to go and travel and spend a week with each one of these pastors that we trained. As they went out with that pastor and with a handful of people that those pastors in turn were to train to do evangelism among their unsaved Hindu friends. I could say this, that in all 10 places where they went, all 10 states, there was wonderful fruit. Last night, I couldn't sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, and here's one of the pastors we trained named Noel, and he's standing next to a family, a Hindu family, that he's just led to Christ. And there's a picture of him. So I'm getting these posts now. It's quite exciting, almost on a daily basis. One of those that went out, as you know him, we've spoke about this brother before, Surrender Singh. He went to two different states, and he had wonderful fruit, great joy. He would go with them to visit their, what we call their oikos, that is the people in their domestic relationships or their household that don't know the Savior. And their surrender would go and maybe give an example of how to dialogue with these people, understanding that God was ahead, working, convicting people of sin and righteousness and judgment. There's a way in which they can ask questions that will evoke the awareness that God is already given them by his grace, that is the basis upon which they can carry forward a conversation and present to them Christ and the saving work. Anyhow, he would go and maybe do the presentation the first time and have this conversation in a home that might last for an hour and a half or so. And then the very next home they'd go to, now he'd turn to the pastor who he trained and said, okay, now it's, now it's your turn to do it. And now you do it and I'll watch you do it with the next family. And then the next house they would go to is now, now you go with one of the people you trained and I'll go with another person you trained and let's do the same thing with them. And well, they had this tremendous fruit. It was exciting for him and during that time he began to get a burden for the Hindu people in Fiji who he had been getting reports were turning back into a militant Hinduism and driving for to differentiate themselves from the largely Christian community of Fiji and so in communicating with a friendship with a pastor on the island of Fiji which is a long ways away from India by the way. If you look on your map it is. surrendered scraped together what money he could find And last week, a little over just over seven days ago or six days ago, he flew to Fiji. He bought his return ticket for July 4th. He's gonna be there for six weeks. Said, I'm gonna come and we're just gonna go visit your friends that you've been praying for, and we're gonna do evangelism. And all this week he's been sending pictures of people that they're leading to Christ. And now he's organizing with that pastor, other pastors that they can work with, and then they're gonna do a training like I did with them. He's wanting me to join them in that training at some point in time. I had to figure out my schedule. When could I talk to people that are 18 hours ahead of you and have these conversations and these trainings with them? And what drives him to do that? Well, faith. He's compelled to take that gospel out beyond himself to places where the need is for that gospel. And even though it's so needed in his own community, he's been equipping people and he's seeing the individual, he's trained, going out and fanning out into their communities, thinking, of so where else can I go? Where else can I go where I know there are believers and I can help them to do the same thing? And to some extent, that's what Paul is doing here in Romans. He's just compelled to push this forward. At the same time, though, Paul lumps into those he is sent to those who have already answered the call of god he includes into those he's been sent to the elect themselves who have responded to the call of jesus christ and believed in him romans 1 verse 11 paul says for i long to see you that i may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established now what does that mean it means the message of the gospel that comes as a loving call and is answered by the elect of God, these believers who are beloved of God and called to be saints, Paul says, still need to hear and live under the message of the gospel. They still need the gospel preached to them. Paul says, I'm not only going to the Gentiles, I'm not only going to the people who haven't heard, I want to go to you too, it's for you as well, who are called of God. They still must render to God the obedience of faith they still must learn to give to God the obedience that rises from faith. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.